is Peek Inside the Panic Room, where we explore our passions with zero limits, mixed with the occasional bit of chaos. You don't have to be famous to have a story to tell. So strap yourself in and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Peek Inside the Panic Room and we've got a very special guest today, uh, as we do every week, but this week it's someone very special. We've got Scott Imlack, head of Imlack Hospitality Group. That's correct. Yeah. Th- thanks for having us. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. Look, you've been called the small bar king, <laughs> right? Now, is that correct or what would you call yourself? I wouldn't call myself small bath king, but uh, just generally hospitality. Um, and we, we do a bit of everything. But the reason the small bath king come along was because I was uh, trying to buy a pub on the Gold Coast and we couldn't afford a pub. So because of oh, Woolworths and Coles, they, you know, they spent yeah. millions and millions of dollars on the pubs. So I challenged the uh, the small bath thing come out and um, it's for us. So it was really good. Well, that's business, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's entrepreneurship. It's really just annoying people until... They say yes, right? Well, you got to do that. Yeah, you yeah. got to do that. Otherwise, you just you just can't bend over, and otherwise, you know, you never get anywhere. You just got to be that pest. Yeah, and uh, and that's how a lot of my business deals come about too. I'm just a pest, and, <laughs> and just uh, keep going and going and going until I get what I want. Yeah, mate. Well, it's it's not a bad thing to be though, is it? No, it's not a bad thing. It, it does have its faults. But, you know, there's a couple of mistakes you make along the way. But, you know, and you do upset some people and um, and it is very stressful sometimes as well. But I just give it a go and just keep going and going and going and uh, until, yeah, until I really get what I want. Yeah, okay. So, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a true Gold Coast local accent, right? So a true Gold Coast local born in Queenstown, New Zealand. That's correct. Right. <laughs> That is correct. So, tell me about your journey to the Gold Coast. Um, really, so what happened is, uh, yeah, born in New Zealand. I spent my first 21 years in New Zealand, and then it shot over to London uh, and ended up in a big pub company over there, starting a big pub group uh, called the Walkabout Centre. It was originally called the Out- Outback Inn, and then we went to Walkabout. Um, and then we... All the, the big guys that were actually running that company all decided to get together and buy a big group of pubs down in Melbourne from Lion Nathan uh, called Open Door Pub Company. We brought that. Things didn't really go according to plan. Um, I, uh, I decided I wanted to go out on my own, so I moved up to the come up here for a holiday to the Gold Coast. Loved it so much, and I've been here for the last 20-odd years, so, yeah. and, uh, and I just love it up here. And I work for myself now, so there's no... There's no bullshit, really. It's just, just the way you go. Well, it's, it's interesting. The Gold Coast has evolved so much. I, I moved I moved here eight years ago from Sydney, uh, but I came on a East Coast travel for my honeymoon, and we spent some time here on the Gold Coast on the way to the Sunshine Coast. And on that, on my honeymoon, I found a house that backed onto Rabina Woods Golf Course that I fell in love with. Right? I'm a bit of a golfer. So I fell in love with this house, and I'm like, oh, could we live here? So that was – I got married – God, 20 years ago. And so 20 years ago, I fell in love with the Gold Coast. I was like, I think I want to live here. It took 12 years to get here. <laughs> but it's the best It's the best decision that I've made. Yeah, I think it's been the best decision I've made too. And, you know, the um, what, when, you know, when I was in Melbourne, I'm thinking, why am I in Melbourne for? It's just the same as what I was doing in London. 
Um, so I might as well go back to London and make double the money, triple the money. Yeah. Um, but so, but then I found the Gold Coast and just found the lifestyle. Being on that beach every morning at five a.m. or yeah, just being able to be in the the ocean or just even just to get around. It's so much easier to get around the Gold Coast than it is in the big cities. Yeah, it's amazing. It and you know what? I think that and we're going to touch a little bit on COVID because I think it, you would have seen the best and the worst of it. But God, it's changed a lot since like the Gold Coast. Since then, I think it's opened it up. Yeah, it has. It's, it, whereas it was a real negative for some areas. I think for the Gold Coast, we didn't we didn't go through a lot in regards to lockdown. There, like you would have felt it worse than most people. But on the other side, it's just created this interest in in this area, right? Yeah, it has. It has, and it's realised what it's realised is. Um, yeah, COVID was an interesting scenario, and we didn't have it near as bad as my friends were in Melbourne. They were, oh, they, were they were, they were, at, you know, they were Bethan's knee. They were in, on their edge. You know, there was marriage breakups. There was you know, the partner breakups. There was you know, people on suicide watch. It was all sorts of things going down in Melbourne. And I'm saying, well, you know, I'm just walking around the beach up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we're in lockdown, but I'm still walking around the beach. Yeah, they weren't even allowed to leave, leave their homes, and you know, and even even New Zealand actually. Um, my brother, he wasn't allowed to. He got pulled up going from his work. He had a supermarket, and he would get pulled up going to work, checking where you're going. Yeah. The Gold Coast, there was none of that. No. Um, yeah, and then since then, obviously, there's a lot of people have re- realised that they don't need to be in a big office, and they can work from home or on the internet or Zoom or whatever it is. And I think they've moved to the Gold Coast and are moving to the Gold Coast. And I think, you know, you know, if you're buying a $1.2 million apartment in Sydney, you can get a three-bedroom house. Well, it used to be wow. a three-bedroom yeah. house up here yeah, in the absolutely. Gold Coast, close to the beach. And that's a lot of a couple of my friends have moved up with that reason behind them. They, you know, they can get a really nice house up here. Probably not 1.2 no more, probably 1.5 to yeah. 2 mil now. But but um, still the value in comparison to Sydney and Melbourne yeah, is still off the chart. Where else do you buy a house for 2 million that close to the beach? Yeah. And, and like uh, uh, like I, we, we did the maths ourselves. We were like, well, we were living in a two-bedroom unit at Collaroy Beach in Sydney. Beautiful. Overlooked the beach. It was great. We loved it. We outgrew it with two kids and it was like, well, I could – I'd just come out of a business myself and I was like, I don't want to go back and work 60, 70 hours a week again. I don't want to do that. And I'm going to have to do that if we're going to get a $1.2 million mortgage. Let's move. And it, it, for the, for what we got here, I shudder to think what that's worth in Sydney now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the whole point of it. You know, I was, I was at a uh, residence meeting last night, a neighbourhood, friendly neighbourhood watch meeting with Nobby's Beach. Yep. And the whole talk is all these Sydney and Melbourne people moving up here and you know, and what they get for their money. And it's just unbelievable what they get for their money and, and how the lifestyle is up here. And we've got some good quality restaurants and bars up here now. We are catching up with those big cities. We'll never get there, but we're, we're you know, some of the restaurants here are just as good as those in Melbourne and Sydney now. Oh, and I also think that we, I don't think we want to get there. I, I think part of the charm is, is that we're – now that we can work remote, I think that's been the big thing for, for the Gold Coast is that Brisbane wouldn't look at the Gold Coast because, oh, we don't, we don't want to make the commute up the M1, which is a nightmare. Exactly. Which exactly. is a nightmare. But now, that, as you said before, we can work from we can work remote, we can work on Zoom, we got all these things. We're now, we're now a viable destination – Oh, we're a great destination, and, and it is a great place to live. And it's uh, it is you're right, you're right. It is a viable des- destination. You know, you mentioned before yourself, you, you play a bit of golf. Yeah, well, look at this. Look at the quality of the Incredible. golf courses up here. Five minutes from your house, probably yeah. now. 
you, know, you can get to really four or five really good golf courses five minutes from anywhere on the Gold Coast. Absolutely. And, we were, and, and probably the fees are nowhere near what you'd charge in Sydney and Melbourne. So that's just another part of the lifestyle that we've got up here. You know, I was out on the weekend watching a heap of sport and stuff like that. It, it takes you five minutes to get to the next round, really. Yeah. It's still a good place to get around. Yeah. And I think, you know, even love or hate the light rail, I think it's even going to improve the Gold Coast and, um, you know, it's going to make that easier to get around again. Okay, so we'll get to the light rail. So take me through. I've got Bind Bar, Tank Bar, Hideaway, Nightjar, Precinct. Are you still Mr. Hazolas as well? No, we sold Mr. Hazolas. We sold that about a year ago. Okay. Actually, but we've got Okawari now. Okay, the Japanese restaurant, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where's, that, where's that located? That's right in Nobby's Beach. Okay. Right underneath the uh, Surfboard Empire. Do you know what I love about Imlac Hospitality Group? What's that? I'll tell you what I love about it. It's Southern Gold Coast. <laughs> right? It is. Yeah. Right? I don't go past Broad Beach unless someone pays me money. Right? <laughs> I, I always joke. <laughs> someone says I'm surface. I said, I don't have a passport, so yeah. I can't get up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm the same. I very rarely go past Broad Beach. Uh, and I'm yeah, and I just yeah, I'm always between Burley and um, well, I guess Palm Beach now. But I used to be always between Broad Beach and Burley, but now Broad Beach and, and Palm Beach. Palm are, Beach, yeah, because yeah. that's a good location for Tank. It is a good location. Um, yeah, it's taken a while to warm up down there. Yeah, and obviously, uh, it's a it's an interesting suburb. Palm Beach. It's still a very family oriented. It's not much happens after ten o'clock at night. Yeah. But it's, you know, we've had a great response there from the locals. Yeah. Well, I live in Eleanora. So for me to go to Palm Beach for dinner, and there's some great restaurants in Palm Beach, right? Yeah, there is, it's, yeah. it's It's changing. It is, yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it's gentrifying, right? And you can see it in front of your eyes. Now, the light rail for you as a, as a hospitality guy, that would be a big thing. You want, it, you want it to be easier to get to your places, right? Yeah, you want it to be easier to get. And as the... As what we said before, as uh, the Gold Coast grows and as the population grows, it's going to get harder and harder to get around. And there is going to be no car parking. You know, let's, let's face it, you can't, you can't find land to put a car park anywhere. So what's the next alternative? It mightn't really affect us and our generation, but the next generation and the next generation after that are really going to benefit from this light rail. Yeah, love it or hate it. Like I said, it's small term game, uh, pain for long term game. I think. Yeah. Um. My, I know my kids will probably definitely reap the benefits out of it, but you know, but it, it is going to be hard work for us for the next two to three years operating beside it. Yeah, it's well, we've seen it. it's a it's such a shit fight with the M1, right? Mm-hmm. And that's on a massive scale. Now so. we're going to take if it, if it gets all the way down to Palm Beach. It's funny. It's the first time I've heard Tom Tate in the last couple of weeks go start to really push about this has got to get through, this has got to get through us. I've never heard that before. No, yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? Yeah. But I see I had a meeting with G Link, uh, who the guys that are from um uh the main the guys that are actually doing the rail, you know, the, the, the external company that's operating it all. Yeah. I had a meeting with them about three weeks ago. And they said if whoever is in control of this extension going to Palm Bay uh down to um down to the airport, if they don't decide shortly, it won't be done by the Olympics. It needs to be, the decision needs to be made. He goes, because we just can't build these things in 24 hours. Yeah. And he said, it needs to happen now. And yeah. he said, everyone's just putting their hands up and not making a decision. Yeah, it's, well, it's, I've always said that, look, sometimes any decision is better than no decision. Mm-hmm. So either decide yes or decide no, but just don't leave it up in the air, right? 
Yeah, I think that, I, I'm not 100% sure on this one, but I think the cost of building it's blown out something ridiculous from when mm. they first said yes and to what it is now. It's just like when you build a house now. You know, we built some houses there um, a, you know, two years ago. We were paying $1,400 a square metre. I had one quoted up the other day, 3600 a square metre for exactly the same house. Wow. So, you know, that that's just, and imagine that on a bigger scale with the tra- train line. It must be. Must be next ridiculous, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's I guess that's another hangover from COVID, right? That it is, materials yeah. and labour and everything has just shot through the roof from construction point of view. Yeah. I don't know where all the staff went. <laughs> Every industry is still crying out for staff. Yeah, where did they go over COVID? I did not. Wasn't that many people died? I don't think, but <laughs> I don't know what happened to them or what were they. I, I, yeah, every country, every person I speak to in every different country is short of staff. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're New Zealand, or England, even France. Even we were over in Italy there not so long ago. It was yeah. same. You know, I was in America there a couple of months ago, and that was the same thing over there. Yeah, even Mexico, they, they everyone's looking for staff, but where did they go during COVID? Or if they just sat at home, and think lifestyle change? Maybe. Well, I, we were talking. I was talking to a client because we're a digital marketing agency. First and foremost, yep, yep. You know, podcasting is my baby and it's it's going very nicely. But first and foremost, we're a digital marketing agency. Now, I had a discussion with a client just this week and he said, oh, you know, I don't know I don't know what's happened to our inquiries and what's happened to all this kind of stuff. I go, well, mate, some of his competitors are Officeworks, uh, Office National, Amazon. Like, click and, click and order, click and order. I... I said to him, have we thought that maybe habits have changed so much in the last four years? People have just been used to sitting at their computer and just clicking. Custom stuff's a thing of the past to a point. If I just want something easy, I can just get online and go click, 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 and it's done. Could that be having an effect? And he goes, well, I think maybe. So I think that, I think in general our habits have changed. Like have you seen in in your industry, have you seen, I know you probably have got quite a bit of a boon straight after we're like, God, we're out, we can do stuff. Have you seen a change in, in buying habits or spending habits? I haven't really seen a uh, change in buying or spending habits in the restaurants, but outside of the restaurants, definitely. And I, I know that um, most people do click and click now. They don't even go to the supermarkets and stuff yeah. like that. And that's why you also find now a lot of, you've, you've seen probably a lot of new restaurants and bars opening up on the Gold Coast. The reason this is, is because people don't want retail space no more. They don't want to have a shop because they can do it online or do it from somewhere else. So now, what do these owners of these, you know, these commercial buildings do? They have to find restaurants because you still really can't click and click a restaurant atmosphere, which yeah. is lucky for us. And you definitely can't click and lock, lock a bar atmosphere where you can go out and meet a girl. You can't, well, you probably can on Tinder <laughs> or something. But you know, a lot of our our you know, my venues are still meet and greets, you know, you meet people there and you meet friends for life and you meet girls and you meet boys, whatever it is to be there. Um, but you, luckily, you really can't click and click that atmosphere on, on the line, otherwise we'd be in trouble. But I know a lot of landlords that have changed their buildings that used to have retail in their shops have now changed them to restaurants. Right. Well, it's, it seems like a, a an excellent, I guess, pivot, right? Because they've got to, they've got to sell the space can't just sit there empty they're going to go broke so the competition you've got your set right Uh do you welcome the competition is is that something that you go well because i can imagine it's not easy hospitality isn't an easy industry look okay i've seen the bear the tv show the bear so i'm essentially i'm an expert (laughs) i know how it goes right so but managing multiple sites 
plus managing competition, how do you do it? Yeah, it's not easy. And my my companies are different to a lot of other ones too. I have got... I've got a mixed bag. We'll, we'll give anything a go. Yeah, we've got five, well, not five star restaurants, but four star restaurants. We've got, you know, pick up bars like Night Jars, a dirty old, uh, dirty old bar, you know, four walls, but everyone, the young people love it. So I've got a very wide array of customers that we deal with. Competition, it's a tough one. We, you know, I welcome it. Uh, I don't welcome when they copy you exactly. Yeah, right. And I don't welcome when they go into the, into the market and just drop the prices of everything, you know, when they drop them to, you know, Five dollar beers or whatever it may be, full time, and copying. I think is, yeah. Now it's an you know it's a nice thing to think. Oh yeah, someone's copying you, but it's it's just laziness on other people's part. Yeah, sure. I copy restaurants, but I don't copy them from the from someone down the road. I copy them from England and America and you know France or wherever I may be. Even Melbourne, I might copy a couple from there. But I get my ideas from other restaurants and other places, and I mix them together. I don't actually you know copy. I wouldn't copy something down the road exactly the same as mine where other people do do that uh and that that's frustrating but it's just part of the business you know i you know someone comes up to me and it's got a restaurant and they're struggling i'll, I'll go and help them try to help them do whatever everyone and especially in the brewery industry it's very much like that like with craft brewing is, is everybody helps everybody you know i've got two good mates about to open a brewery next week down in currumbin called currumbin valley brewery you know i've been down there helping and advising them um you know just just giving them a lending them a hand um, you know, any time the phone rings, I pick up the phone and they do it. Same with when Hound and Stag was doing. I was right in there. I went right through my financials with Hound and Stag, you know, out, out in uh, Arundel. So we're re- uh, brewery industry is really not different to the restaurant industry. But you know, I will help anybody out in business that need needs a help. And if, you know, I normally if I get stuck to, I ring up other operators. Well, I guess it's a, a healthy industry is good for everyone, right? You can't have. I guess you see that when you look at you talked about, you know. Carlton and Lion Nathan and Woolies and all that's not good for business I think a healthy industry with with lots of people in it it can be good for the industry yeah, I think um, small operators are always going to be better than, than the big big guys in the industry. They they look after their staff a lot better. They look after their customers a lot better, and they don't gorge the, they, they actually don't gorge the customers. You'll find that a lot of people in, the, in those bigger companies they just think they've got the power over you, and you know. If you look at what their GPs are because of their buying power, they bully the small breweries, they bully the suppliers as well compared to what the small fellas do. The small fellas really help out the, uh, the the local suppliers and stuff like that as well. It is, you know, it, it, but you're always going to get the big companies, but the big companies like some, you know, I'd say Lion, well, not Lion, more like um, Woolworths and uh, was Coles, but now it's ABC. They're pretty abrupt of how they go in and buy these big pubs and stuff like that, and they pay over the odds for it. But they're all—it's you know, not their money; it's somebody else's money at the end of the day. Yeah. If it was their own dollars, would they be spending as much? I don't think they would be. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And and they do—you see it. You, you walk into a Woolies or a Coles, right, just to buy your groceries. The the amount that that grocery prices have gone up in the last couple of years. It's not. It's not. I don't think it, it. It cannot be as much as what it's gone up. What they're paying, right? It can't possibly be. Just look at their profits. That they profit yeah. Well, this is what day. I'm. It's a bit like Qantas. You yeah. Know? Their profits have gone through the roof. Through the okay, roof. They might still only be doing seven percent, <laughs> but their cash margin is a hell of a lot more than what it was beforehand. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's the old story. You can always bank cash. You can't bank margins. So they yeah. they're still banking more cash than they ever were. And that's why their profits are so far up. You know, Qantas is a pure example of, you know, why haven't they been asked to pay that money back to the government they got during during COVID? Yeah. No idea, but they seem to get away with it. 
Yeah, well, it's, oh, I had this discussion the other day on another podcast. We talked about massive conspiracy theories, and we won't get into that about you know big business and uh, you know who's running what and how it all works because it's sometimes you just sort of have to you know a bit of a side side glance about how it works, right? Exactly. It's not the, the little fella doesn't really get a lot of help, but if the more money you earn, the the more help you get, which doesn't really seem that fair. <laughs> we don't we don't get, get we yeah, small business doesn't get much help at all. Yeah. It's very frustrating out there sometimes. Um and even with the authorities, they'll pick on a small business and they will on Coles or Woolworths for sure. first run. They'll they'll pick on us because we don't have the big big hotshot lawyers that can fight them back and you know, Coles have probably got more money than the government to be honest, and so so's Woolworths. So we we can't as a small operator, we've got to try to toe the line 100% all the way through where they'll just take them to court and try to fight them, especially over liquor licensing laws. It's ridiculous how much they get they get away with compared to what we get away with. Crazy. Well, I, I had a small business. I had a, I had a video and DVD rental shop for about 10 years. And it's funny, like small businesses, it's it's the, the heart and soul of, of the economy. It, it employs more people than anything else. It's, you know, everyone's first job is in a small business. We learn the trade. Like it's... And it just gets shafted, right? And it's it's really unfair. It is. It is it's unfair. We do get shafted, you know, and then they keep putting pay rates up and everything like that. And we're already paying the uh, top dollar. And we, you know, these other guys can go out and do their own contracts, and I don't know how they get away with it, but they get away with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we are always, you know, we don't have unlimited funds like the big fellas do, and we struggle along those lines. There's always something... Even when the you know the, the Gold Coast City Council come around, they you know each time their rules are different compared to which inspector you get. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so you've got quite a diverse uh, group of businesses under your under your umbrella. Is there? Do you have a process? Like, is this is there a process you go through when you're looking at a business and you go, "That's what I'm going to do." Yeah, I sort of got a formula that I work to. Um, I never take a new build. I never want to be doing the drains and the kitchens and everything like that because you, the expense of doing it. I normally wait for something to come up that's either shut down or um, on its way out or somebody wants out of the business, and then I go in there. So mainly, as long as the kitchens are done, then I'll, I can do the front of house sort of thing. I look for a good location. Um, I look for good rent deals. Um, you know, I won't pay over the odds. That's why you won't find me in Oracle Boulevard or you won't find me in Service Paradise because... To make those places work, it's a lot of stress. Yeah, if you get them right, they're 100% brilliant. Don't get me wrong, they're good. But the risk and the sleepless nights over one of those venues is, is, is next level. And I, and I like to be local. I like to uh, stay away from tourist trade, even though we, we accept tourists. But I like, more like to be local and be the face of the business and, and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And we go for local trade more than we do for tourist trade. Excellent. It's. I think that it's so important I, I, to be under the weight of a lease is extremely stressful. And right. I guess you're signing, I, I don't know, when I had my business, I had a five by five by five, right? Yep. Now I made 10 years of that five by five by five, I actually probably made nine to be honest, yep. before I got out and I sold. But I don't think people truly understand what the weight of a lease on a business feels like until you've lived it, right? Exactly, and the power of a landlord is oh, unbelievable. Oh my god! You know, even uh, you feel sorry for some businesses. You know, they've been going all these years, and also the land landlord goes, "Okay, your five's up, you're out. 
what do you got left to sell? You got nothing. Yeah. So the power of your landlord and the relationships with your landlord is next level. Like you've really got to respect your landlords and get on with them um, to try to get the most out of your lease you can. Yeah, you don't want to be tied to a five by five by five, but then you don't want to be tied to a f- just a five either because you can they can chuck you out after time goes. And it happens time and time again with different businesses on the Gold Coast. I've seen it several times. You know, oh, you're, you know, your lease is up. See you later. Yeah, that's scary. It is it scary. Is- because you're right. Because you've got nothing to sell, right? Mm, exactly. You've got nothing. No, exactly. And that's so, what happens. Because they, they, and so then I agree. So having the longer leases, whilst it is, can be scary, mm. it's it's a bit of a safety net. But it was I, I had lots of sleepless nights, mate. <laughs> lots of sleepless nights. I have them now still. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's catch-22. If you don't have a long lease, you can't, you've got nothing to sell. If you have a short lease, it's a lot less stressful. So where do you go and where do you play in it? It's it's a bit catch and go, and that's why I always my recommendations are um, always you know meet with your landlord before you take something on, and have that built that relationship with them. I reckon if I, if any of my places weren't trading that well, I could go to speak speak to probably ninety percent of my landlords, and we'd work a way out. Yeah. It, it works for both parties instead of just shutting up the doors and walking out. But, you know, there's some landlords out there that will hold you to every every second of the day. Yeah. There's some scary ones. Oh, some very scary ones out there. Yeah. Okay, so it's a it's a stressful industry, hospitality, right? It's You've got to really love it. Where does that come from? Oh, I think I was brought up with, with hospitality, you know, right from the word go. I was in hospo from when I, you know, even when I, before I was at school, you know, or when I was at school, actually, I was... Uh, you know, age of 15, 16, I was actually probably running illegal parties. You know, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was hiring out school halls when I was uh, yeah, about 15 or 16 years old. And I was getting, all, I think I was getting my dad at the time. <laughs> I can say that now because he's not with us. But um, he was buying all the beer for me. And then I was setting up these DJs and these, these bars and just selling beers for $5 and all the underage. <laughs> um, that was in Invercargill in New Zealand. But that was, oh, yeah. God, that, that would have been cold yeah. too. I've been to Invercargill. It's bloody cold. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold and not much happens in Invercargill. No. But, um, and I, I got away with it quite a few times before I got a knock on the door from the local, local <laughs> boys in blue saying, hey, stop doing it. <laughs> um, but I think we got away with about four or five, probably making a couple of thousand each time. But hospitality sort of grew to me there and I loved it. Um yeah, and I, that's why all my venues are different because I love the different scenes and you know I love to travel and I love to get different ideas from different countries and different ideas and different bars and restaurants and how people work and how they, their service works and how they do things there and you know I try to speak to owners where I go. So hospitality, it is it's a tough game. Um, yeah, people, yeah, people think it's easy and I laugh because I've got lots of lawyers and solicitors and and accountants all come to me going, I want to buy a bar, I want to buy this. I said, oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Yeah. I said, you realise there's about ten percent margin and everything, and they just uh, some of them go in there and they they don't last, yeah. and they some of them just look at the numbers and go, seriously, is that what you make? I said, yeah, not a lot. So you need to be turning over volume to to, to turn it over. You know, one small error, uh, and especially at the moment, it's getting tougher and tougher because the wages are now. You know, you're probably looking at thirty five to forty percent wages now. Wow. And then your food costs are also going up. With you know, We just talked about coals before. So that's happening to us as well. Yeah. And then your products, like vodka for instance. My vodka went from $30 a bottle to $38 a bottle this year. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, and a lot of that's tax. So this is this is a thing that a lot of people don't understand. To brew a bottle, to distill a bottle of vodka, it can cost about you know, 2 to $3. Um, the time you put the tax on top of that, you're at $30. 
<laughs> We're the third highest tax country in the world now. So that tax is actually $27 involved in a 700ml bottle of uh, vodka at the moment. Holy shit. So that's you know, so there's only one person getting rich. That's the government. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's yep. incredible. Yeah, that's how much tax it goes. And that's, yeah, the bottle might cost you another two bucks to, to make, uh, to, to, to have, but that that's the tax at the moment. We're the, I say we're the third highest tax country uh, in in the world. So is that is that a recent thing? Is it's not a recent thing. It's been creeping up yeah, recently, though. Yeah. But it has really exploded the last uh, probably two years. Yeah, um, and they just keep putting it up and up and up. You know, I think when I started, when I looked at it about three years ago, it was twenty three dollars. Tax and bottle now we're up twenty seven. Oh no, sorry, it was twenty dollars tax. Now we're up twenty seven dollars tax. That's crazy. Yeah, it's very crazy. It's just like how do you try to make money out of that? And that's why people, um, you know, people are trying to do these breweries and distills and stuff like that. But the tax is just—it's phenomenal what, what we get bashed with. That's the yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, it's prosperative, really, isn't it? Well, it's 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 because probably I think it's probably because they lost all the revenue over the tobacco. Um, tobacco's ta- tax has gone obviously. It's Still a way up, but tobacco sales have gone through the floor. So yeah. the government goes, "Well, where else can we get it? Oh, let's pinch something else from the fund." And you know, the tax in the alcohol is is, is ridiculous uh, the way they've done it now. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say it must be d- to do with the tobacco. I, I don't. I, I've never been a smoker. I look at the price of cigarettes. I have no idea how anyone can afford to smoke anymore. Yeah, they're about fifty bucks a packet, or mate. Something. I don't know, but I thought and I st- and I look, I drive past on the street. I'll see like a sixteen-year-old smoking. I'm like, how the hell are they doing it? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Peek inside the panic room is proudly sponsored by Straight Up Digital. If you're looking for an irreverent, no BS, results-focused digital marketing company on the Gold Coast, look for Straight Up Digital on all social platforms, or at straightupdigital.com.au. It's crazy, and I, yeah, I'm like you. I don't know how how it, work, how it works, but yeah, there's there obviously good money in tobacco as well. There but, must be, um, yeah. But the alcohol tax is just it's next level. Yeah. Okay, so you've you've been in business for a long time. What changes have you seen here on the Gold Coast over that time? Like as you said, we're becoming, you know, we're the sixth biggest economy. We're becoming more than just a country town. How's that affected the the hospitality industry? What changes have you seen? There's a lot more choice. Um, definitely a lot more choice out there. A lot more uh, restaurants, a lot more bars out there in general. Um, but there's also a lot more population. What I found is you have to keep up with the times. You know, if you sat there and you got your old Italian restaurant that's uh, been there for 20, 30 years, you're not going to survive. We have to keep on at, at, we have to keep our toes on the ground all the time and changing what we do. We're always trying to look for the next best thing and the next best meal or the next best dish or whatever we're doing, you know, and service. Service is definitely – you can't get away with now just sloppy Joe serving plates. You've got to have the best waiters. Everyone's looking for more out of their – more bang for their buck. So looking for that food experience when they go out. They want to know what's in the dish. They want to know what sauces, what spices, what's everything they've got there. You know, uh, they want the best DJs. They want the best bands. They want you know, they want good entertainment now. There's no longer they can just get along with a guy on a guitar just stringing. You've got – they've got to look for entertainers now. Yeah. It has become an experience, right? And I think that's been driven by TV, yep. by YouTube, yep. by all these people, I guess, living the life of a foodie 
And everyone wants to experience that every time they go out, I would assume. Yeah, they do. And I think um, they, they do. But everyone's become a, uh, you know, <laughs> my kitchen rules, everyone's become a, uh, and, and whatever else, cooking shows, everyone has become a professional now. They all think they, they're chefs. They all think they know what they're talking about. Um, and social media, it's had a lot to do with it too, you know, love it or hate it, you know, and reviews, you know, I'm not a big fan of reviews on um, on restaurants, you know. We can have, you know, 100 people in one night and we'll get one really bad review and we'll get 99 people loved it. But the, the people that love it don't review you as much as the people that hate it. It's always the way. And it's just, it's frustrating sometimes, you know. You can send 10 fish out, nine people love it, one had a bad day and hates it, and he slams you on the social media side of it. You know, and I was talking to another guy that owns um, restaurants, a big group of restaurants, um, not long ago, and he was exactly the same. He couldn't, he said, oh my God, reviews are just, you know, these guys are uh, guys that run uh, restaurants in LA. Um, and he just said, oh, my God, reviews are hurtful. He goes, they make you actually pain because so many people uh, only bag you if they've had a bad meal and the good ones don't get through. You know, we had a review the other day and the person never even dined in the restaurant. We don't even know who it was. <laughs> right? We looked at the booking sheet. We rung them. You know, there's no, But, they, you know, they just put you down as one star. That's what you're dealing with in the industry. And it's frustrating because now I've actually got to employ a social media person yeah. to, to, to market all those, to, to, to get back to them and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, we're the same. Like we we see that everyone's become a keyboard warrior, right? Exactly. And it is, and it is never the positive that they want to spruik. It's always like, oh, oh, and and this is you you say everything so right is that they could have just had a shit day. Yeah. They just want to take it out on you. They don't actually realise the effect that that has on your business, mm. right? And it's not just the food industry. It is, it's everywhere. It's rife. Where if you look on, you know, my Google my business, if we go and have a look at digital marketing agencies you someone's had might have had one bad experience but there's 50 good reviews and there's one bad experience who do, what does everyone focus on the one the one, the one bad experience you yeah know? and I, I've been guilty of it myself actually um, especially with booking hotels I always yes. look for the, the bad reviews yes. rather than the good reviews on hotels because I'm fussy with hotels I <laughs> <laughs> don't know why but I'm just fussy with hotels but it's I don't, I don't know why I look at the bad reviews but I do take them with a, a, a you know Grain of salt as well. I just really want to know what the what the bad ones were saying, and sometimes you end up booking them anyway because it's got so many good reviews. But I always seem to read the bad reviews before the good reviews. Yeah, I'm a bit the same, and and maybe it's because I just think the world's full of dickheads. <laughs> it is. So sometimes it's interesting to see what the dickheads are going to say. And I, and I think during COVID, more dickheads come out of the. Oh, for sure. Of, and everybody's a professional medical person. Yeah. everybody's just. Professional at everything yeah. now, yeah. You know, and I laugh at yeah. And I'll take this. You, know, you obviously know I'm a Kiwi, so <laughs> yeah. You, know, you look at the All Blacks, for instance. You know they they won four or five games in a row, and then they lost one big one. Jeez, did this the the tide change? Everyone, sure. just, everyone just hated them. Everyone was raving about them before these when they won these four or five games, and they lost one to France and England. And everyone's bagging them again. It's just like yep. these poor players, you know, that they're, they're out there every week trying to do it. But again, it's keyboard warriors yep. having a go, and they think they can do a better job than everybody else. Yeah, social media, when used the right way, can be really good. Yep. but it rarely is used the right way. Yeah, uh, people use it for evil. I say it all the time, is that social media is used for evil far more than it is for good. If it was used for good, the world would be an amazing place. But again, there's, there's now too many dickheads that think they've been given a voice and their opinion matters, right? It doesn't. You're a dickhead. Go back to your kennel. Go away. Exactly. I Leave know. me alone. I laugh at all these <laughs> suburb ones. You know, you got the mermaid 
Beach suburb, and then you got the Miami suburb, and you've probably got the Eleanora suburb yeah, Facebook yeah. pages, and just some of the comments, oh. and some of the things on there. You just go, wow. Have you got anything else better to do today, or you just sit at home on the computer all day long? It's the best. The one I love is that I don't, you get it right. So the one in the Palm Beach Eleanora one is that whenever there's a helicopter, right? Someone asks, "Why is there a helicopter? Is there, does everyone know why the helicopter's out?" Right? And then if you if you hear the helicopter, I always go and check the Facebook page, right? Because if if you have if someone hasn't commented about it, it'll be someone making some smart ass comment about no one's mentioned the helicopter yet, right? And I'm just have you guys got nothing better to do? Exactly, and I, I laugh at the helicopter one because it happens in my one as well. <laughs> Merrimack Beach. Like, they would. Anyone know what's going on? The yeah. or, or there's some planks out down the road, and what, what's happening to that place down the road? Yeah. Well, or, or did you hear it? Do you hear a siren? <laughs> did you hear a siren? What's the siren for? I'm yeah. like, my god. But it's just uh, funny. You might have seen that article the other day on uh, um, a lady tramping on some plants down in um, Hedges Avenue. Yes. You know, that blew out. It got national coverage, coverage throughout Australia. Yeah. But some lady tramping on some plants. And now the guy that's reported it is now in trouble with the council because he shouldn't have the big a garden bed on that piece of council land anyway. So he gets in trouble. It's like... This is just a joke. What well, it, it's there's a double dip here. One, it's Hedges Avenue. So, well, everything's news <laughs> on Hedges Avenue. Two is the council going, this guy lives on Hedges Avenue. We can sting this guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what's probably going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Nobby's, it's such a great spot. It's a little bit of a, uh, well, it's not so much a hidden gem now, but it's still a little hidden. Yeah, it used to be a hidden gem, and I think it used to love it, and um, and it's still it is one of my favourite suburbs on the Gold Coast. And it's not really a suburb; it's Miami, Mermaid, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, um, but it is changing, and it is going to change. And uh, will it change for the better? Probably not. Um, but you know, all those old buildings have to come down at some stage. They're yeah. asbestos ridden and stuff like that. Um, obviously, there's a big new development going in there right now. Um, be interesting to see how it comes out, and there's a supermarket going in there. So I think the change is about to happen. Yeah. But the problem we've got in Nobbies, and we're going to we get it in every other suburb as well, is car parking there. And in Nobbies, there particularly, there is no car parking. So again, I look at the, these developers that are doing these places and go, well, you know, let's give them maybe eight, nine stories high, eleven stories, and get the three hundred car parks out of them. Yeah. Instead of Let's them three stories and they only have to put eight car parks in, which is exactly what's happening in Nobbies at the moment. You know, he was going to put thirteen stories in. And 300 car parks. Now he's putting three levels in and eight car parks and probably enough space in restaurants for probably a 1,000 people. Yeah. Where do these 1,000 people get? How do they get there and get away? It's, so it's catch-22. Nobby's is definitely going to change. Um, you know, I say love it or hate it. Uh, I'm a big fan of it the way it is. Yeah. But I have also know that times have got to grow. And we just mentioned it before that people coming up from Sydney and Melbourne, we need more more uh, housing. So, um, yeah, I presume the only way to get more housing is to go up. Yeah, it's interesting because Palm Beach is the same, right? So there's forever the blow-ups about uh, the construction going on in Palm. Oh, there's 13 cranes and da-da-da-da. But you know what? It's happened everywhere. Mm. And it's just because it's taken a little bit longer to happen here. And I agree with you, mate. I think that there's, there's a little bit of naivety and maybe just a little bit of ignorance in regards to how it all's going to work. I think that maybe we need to look at going up a bit more, giving more car spots. Like I think it's... Yeah, I think go up and go down, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think also, you know, if you're building a house or a block of apartments, 
maybe you get a grant from the council to go down for more car parking, and and that might help you know help developers go down because I don't know what the cost is, but I've heard it's expensive to go down to, to do underground car parks. But maybe that's where they need to be looking at and say, hey, well, we'll give you an extra money to go down, yeah, pay fifty percent or whatever it is, and get a grant that way, um, and help out the car buying that way. As far as Palm Beach goes, I think. Palm Beach caught everybody out. I think, yeah, but it was already 13 or 14 towers up there before, before they realised, oh, there's towers going up here. Yeah. And, you know, it's, again, love it or hate it, but I think it's probably been the best thing for Palm Beach, really. Um, yeah, sure enough, you don't like seeing all those high-rises, but, again, it's the population, something happened to happen to Palm Beach, and I guess that's what it was, and it was the first suburb for it to go on. Well, you can't be that close to the beach and not expect that, Times are going to change. People aren't going to realise that it, this hidden gem yep. is going to become everyone's gem, which is what's happening now. Exactly. And if you look at all the photos back from the, uh, I don't know, the 70s that you see, the, uh, there's one that pops up in Nobby's Beach all the time, Magic Mountain. Yes. Yeah, you look at that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, things have changed. Yeah. Things are going to keep changing. Yeah. I bet you the people back then didn't like it either, but, you know. We've got a, we've got a beautiful ocean just out there. People want to live beside that ocean. Yeah. We've just got to keep growing with the times. Well, it's the same in Sydney. So on the northern beaches where I was from, that Narrabeen, I, I liken Narrabeen to Palm Beach here on the Gold exactly. Coast where it was a bit lower socioeconomic, it was some housing commission, and all of a sudden people realised this is a damn good place. And unfortunately, the rents got driven up, people got driven out and people just came in and it became multi-millionaires row, right? And it's it's happening at Palm Beach if it hasn't happened already, right? Yeah, I think it's probably already happened. Yeah. You know, I know a guy that's down there and he's my old vet. He, you know, his house fell for $15 million or something and he'd been, he'd been there since he's 25 years old or yeah. something. Yeah, it's a bit scary. But anyway, it's I think it's a good place to be. I think you've with, with Tank, you've got a good place. That the, it's obviously changing and you've probably got in at the right time. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, it's Palm Beach is, I, I quite love it. I quite like it down there. I mean, and it's uh, and I love the people down there. Actually, they're always very friendly and family orientated. I think with Palm Beach at the moment, it's probably getting a little bit hit with the old mortgage rage height, and everyone yeah. has had to tighten their belts a bit down there because yeah. of the population, the people that have moved in down there. Yeah, yeah, they're all young families, and I feel sorry for them. You know, the way the rates have gone up, so they probably don't have as much disposable money as they used to. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day, and they they, they used to order Uber Eats five nights a week. <laughs> now they order it like once a month, and yeah. they, they, you know, and that, that's just the change of the times, isn't it? Uber Eats is expensive, mate. Oh, it's, you don't get me started on Uber Eats. It's expensive. I could go on all day, but it's it's tis. But you know, as a restaurant, we have to give them thirty two percent of. So if you buy something off Uber Eats, they get thirty two percent really for nothing. The we've got, we've also got to buy the bags and everything else, so they just get thirty two percent for that. <laughs> To collect the money, really, and 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 they charge they, more for your stuff, though, don't they? That's up to each us. It's up to us, right? That we charge more. Yes, uh, right. we don't personally. Yep. But other restaurants do because they try to add that thirty-two percent yeah. to cover it because otherwise it doesn't make it worthwhile. It's um, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one to do, and um, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I don't know a way around it because everyone prefers Uber Eats and going on individual sites. Yes, it is tricky because. Also, I don't rate the way that, you know, you might have heard Uber Eats and I've had Uber Eats before, but some of the quality that turns up is terrible. And it's yeah. not it's not the restaurant's fault. No way. So it, go, it leaves good when it leaves the restaurant. You know, my partner ordered some a while ago and it had five stops before it got to her. Hers was stone cold when she yeah. got it. Yeah. yeah. I've always, that's, that's always been the deterrent for me, yeah. is that uh, I'll just, I'll ring and just go pick it up. 
Mm. I'd prefer. And then I know that it's it's got one spot. Yeah. You yeah. just don't know what it, it – I'm not going to run the risk. There's this little restaurant around the corner from me where I live, and um, it does 20% discount if you order it online and you pick it up yourself. So that actually saves you a fortune because their high, their prices are actually higher on on for Uber Eats. So you actually, you know, you probably, uh, you know, probably save you twenty thirty dollars each. Wow! Time. And that's just for two people. If you, you know, bigger groups. You that's save clever. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah, and it's good food there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you've lived a life. You've got all these experiences. What advice would you give your younger self now, if you was if you were going to start again? Uh, probably just have a yeah, have a have a crack and 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 don't be afraid. Um, but also you know, tighten up your back end. Yeah, get the right people in the right jobs. Get the right structures in place. Um, because my my structure ended up pretty messy. Um, but get it all right and, and go for it. But just don't don't be afraid. Have a go and and get the right get the right team behind you right at the start and do less yourself. So work smarter, not harder. Yeah, I think that's an important one, right? Yep. You've got to you got to have the time to work on the business. Yeah, you got to work on the business, not and, in it. And a, not lo- in it. a lot of small businessmen and women get stuck in the business yep. and wonder why they're just treading water, right? Yeah, and all you're doing then, if, once you, if you're stuck, in, and it's probably the biggest, um, the biggest thing that I did that really got me out was I got out of the business. Um, I still operate the business. I'm still overseeing the businesses, but I actually got out of working in the business, and that's when we really excelled. When when I got out and I could see things over time. When you're in those four walls, you just got blinkers on, and you can't see outside those blinkers sometimes. And once you get out and have a look in the big open world, it goes different then. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. Okay, what's next? Uh, not sure. Let's just cut out too. <laughs> oh, did it? Yeah, uh, it might be. That's all right. Might just be your headphone. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, back in now. Yeah. Um. Sorry, what was that? So, what's next for you? Next for me. Good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm probably going to wind down a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah. I want to. Uh, yeah. Probably get down to two or three and just run them like that. Um. You know, if something good come along, I'd have a crack at that again, though. But I'm really trying to diverse house a little bit. Uh. I want to. You know, a bit more family, a bit more travel for me, really. Um, yeah, might look at something else. I don't know. We'll, we'll have a look. But yeah. Um, yeah, at the moment, I'm my, my motto probably at the moment is to wind down a little bit. But I was going to do that a couple of years and then got two new restaurants. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I go through itchy feet stages. But probably right now, yeah, I'm probably winding down a little bit more. So we'll say we're going to try to wind down. Try to wind down. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, yeah, or get again, try to get the right people in the right positions yeah, again and go from there. Yeah. In hospitality, you've either got to have one. Real good one and, and operate it that way, or probably about eight or nine. Wow. Yeah. The, the level one at the moment is an in between area and it doesn't really work real well. Yeah. So I've either got to go again or scale back. Yeah. Um, once Because once you get into the five or six bracket, you can't do it on your own. So you need an office. So that becomes costly. Then you need more staff and social media people and bookings people and accounts people and stuff like that. So you need all that because you can't physically do it yourself. So then it makes it not viable if you've only got four or five and then you've got to get up to the next level. So there's a break in hospitality where it does really, you know, um, really affect you. Especially if you're not, if you've got little turnovers and a couple of them. But if you've got big turnovers all the way through, then you're right. Okay. You need that, you need that bracket to, you know, I, I always say four and five is harder than, than, um, than one and harder than uh, nine. Okay. So then have you got a baby? Yeah, yeah, just had one uh, last week. Yeah, 
Oh, really? Another one? <laughs> last week, just another one last week. God, you're crazy. How many kids you got? Uh, three. Three. So wow. I got an uh, 11, what, a 12-year-old, a two-year-old, and now a one-week-year-old. Wow. See, I've got a 17-year-old and a nine-year-old. I thought my seven-year <laughs> break was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I thought my... Uh, Mate, you just can't. You can't. Uh, no one told me how it come. How it happens? No, it's that. Well, just you know, <laughs> I can tell you how it happens. <laughs> yeah, I figured that one out now. Yeah. And what about you? Got a favourite restaurant of yours? Uh, yeah, I probably have. I, I I like Etsu on the Gold Coast. Yeah, uh, I probably go there more often than anywhere else. Yeah, uh, a it's not far from where I live, and I just think the food, the service is is, is really good. I'm also a big fan of rickshaws during the daytime, yeah. especially whether it's the view or whether it's food. I haven't worked that one out yet. <laughs> Definitely not the price. A good, a good, <laughs> yeah, a good view can excuse a lot of things, though, can't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, it is. We've had some. I've had some cracking lunches there, um, yeah. and I think it, yeah, that you will never get another. You won't. You don't get a site like that anywhere on the Gold Coast. Oh, uh, it's incredible. Uh, anywhere spot, in Australia, it? actually, I even think it's better than uh, the one down in Bondi. There, yeah. I think the view at uh, and Burley Point there is just amazing. Oh. Um, yeah, so that, those are probably my two favourites uh, on the Gold Coast. And what about if we had to pick one from uh, Imlac? Where are we going? Uh, probably right now, I'd be going to Okawari. Yeah, uh, nice. that's the new one, the Japanese. Uh, yeah, the food there is really, really good. The chef there is one of the best I've come across, um, and, and it's 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 starting to find its feet now. And you know, we did a few made a few mistakes at the start, and we changed the menu around, we changed the pricing around, we changed the staff around. But it's always hard to to open a place. Outside with those staff shortages that we were talking about before, you've actually got you know I had to end up going out and poaching some old staff that used to work for me to come back and run that venue, and it's it's just going from strength to strength now. Excellent, mate. I've appreciated your time. Oh, I enjoyed it. It's been great time. Yeah. Good chat. How was that? That was your first podcast. Yeah, it's my first podcast. A podcast virgin. That's it. Yeah, not a very podcast virgin no more. No, no I've, I've, I'm, I've been happy to take it. Yeah, I've always okay. wondered how they do these things. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. Go. <laughs> it's not as difficult as it seems, really. <laughs> no, it's good. You just sit in front of a microphone and just uh, talk some crap for about an hour. That's it. Eh? It's easy, mate. It's been an absolute joy getting to know you a bit more. No worries. Thank and you very uh, much. mate, maybe we can get you on again. And when when you decide to either go to the next level or scale down, that's it. That's yeah. it. No, I'll be happy to come back again. No problem. That'd be awesome. Thanks no for your worries. time, Scott. We're going to leave all the details. For all the Imlac hospitality restaurants in the show notes, please go and visit it. Apparently, Okawari is the place to be. Thanks very much. Okay, mate. Thanks, Scott. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Peek Inside the Panic Room. If you want to hear more of the chaos, make sure you follow us to stay up to date. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and check out our socials at Straight Up Digital. Straight Up Digital.